Hello, and welcome back to Vox Popcast, the weekly pseudo-accurate roundtable pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-hosts, Hannah and Monica. How's it going, guys? Going good, Mav. That was Monica with the Catherine Hepburn-esque voice going today. I was like, is that what it is? Is it Mickey Mouse? I don't know. But some, something's wrong with my voice, guys, and it's going to stay this way for the entire episode. You're welcome. <laughs> Hannah, are you there? Yeah, just thinking about cake. <laughs> cake. It's, okay. It, as we record this, it's my birthday week. And last mm-hmm. weekend was Mardi Gras. So like there was king cake. And now like this before my birthday, my pre-birthday, if you will, there was a birthday cake cake. And in a couple of days, there will be a caramel cake. I don't know how mm-hmm. I schemed to get three cakes in a row, but it worked it out for me. Everybody yeah. so happy. three cakes. Happy birthday. Again, for us, because of podcast time travel, your birthday was like two weeks ago. <laughs> but, but in our future, sure. as we are about to record here so yeah happy birthday thanks i mean honestly like it's still like 2020 in my mind so i guess like (laughs) i'm just not gonna i think i'm just gonna like not age ever because like you know in my head movies because life has been frozen (laughs) during how much we love vampires on the show that tracks yeah Yeah, i was gonna say immortality is there's worse things than that i guess (laughs) you know it's fine (laughs) also this is the most la thing i have ever said on the air but it is you're a pisces and that really tracks for me. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I am a Pisces. We'll see how many followers I, we lose because I oh. made that statement out loud. Monica, are you on CoStar too? Oh, yes. But Hannah, it's because you turned me on to CoStar because you sent us the job listing. And I oh, thought yes. it was so funny that yes. I was like, I need to know what they actually write for the copy for CoStar. And what is CoStar? CoStar is an app for astrology, but it's pretty detailed detailed in terms of when you fill out your chart it doesn't just want to know like day that you were born it also wants to know the hour and the location so that it can give you like an, a full birth chart the way that mm-hmm. it would if you went to somebody this who, by the like, way is not what we're talking about for today just for, for the audience but this is fascinating to me so keep going <laughs> um, so, so it's considered to be more detailed or accurate but it's in app form and it's free though you can pay for additional readings but instead of going to somebody who works as a like professional astrologer who would actually put together the whole birth chart and do a more detailed reading for you. However, Hannah sent us a job listing or co-star for people who write this copy of horoscopes. And there was just something like so compelling about the fact that it, the whole <laughs> listing itself was just like, you must like survive on moonbeams and vibes. And I just wanted to know what kind of individual then wrote this copy. So I downloaded the app and I put together the birth chart and I do check it with some frequency now. I'm part of the cult is what I'm saying. Ah, yeah, my, I've unfortunately gotten a lot of people involved in CoStar. And yeah. My roommate yeah. was in college or right after college, I guess. George, if he's listening to the show. He was a phone psychic, a, a telepsychic, and he had a separate line at our house that he would, it would ring for that. And when you sign up to be a phone psychic, you can use any kind of psychic. Can, I mean, most people are do the tarot and, you know, they hold Reboot call and you know, people want tarot readings. And roommate chose the I Ching, which was great because it was what he knew how to read and he's like, I'm going to do I Ching readings. And like, if you're listening, it's like, what is an I Ching reading? Yeah, that's the problem when you're <laughs> when you're being a phone psychic. It's the one that people don't understand. So so that that was always that, that's been my biggest example of you know, psychic readings. Just watching him go. Yeah, I'm going to flip some coins for you. And people are like, what? What are you doing? <laughs> so in my old apartment building, I think I might have mentioned this in a previous episode. But if not, it's a great story. And my old apartment building was built in the 70s. And we had a sort of like group Facebook page anytime there
there was a power outage or the front office needed to be closed for a holiday or whatever. But somebody in the group posts posted a photo from inside their closet and they were like, there's this giant box of wires. What is it? And can I get rid of it? I'm renovating. And one of the HOA <laughs> presidents came in and was like, oh yeah, I used to have one of these too. It means that someone was running a multi like phone call center out of your apartment mm-hmm. at some point in time. Our HOA president volunteered. He was like, to be a phone sex center. Awesome. <laughs> and we were like, <laughs> and he's a bit older and we were like, was is it your phone sex center? Or like the previous tenant, like your father, like your father's because you inherited this building? Like we don't know. We just know that at one point in time, Wesley had phone <laughs> sex operators inside his apartment. So yeah, not quite astrology, but think of all the things you used to be able to do with call centers. Now it's like just we're just booking possible future shows. But that's not what we're doing today. Today not um, at all. Uh, not at all. Today is exciting because this is a Hannah chosen topic. That's right. Hannah decided that we are doing the show that we were doing today. Hannah, what are we doing today? We are talking about everything everywhere all at once. What are we doing today? <laughs> <laughs> nice <Well>. try. <laughs> I'm doing an Oscar show (laughs) because that's how I figured out how I could do this. We're doing an Oscar show. I agreed to be on this year. And spoiler alert, I'm picking everything everywhere, everywhere all at once. So, for the listeners who might be new, for the first couple of years of the show, we did an Oscars show where we did Oscar predictions, and neither Katya nor Wayne would show up. You'll notice they're not here today because they don't watch movies. Therefore, they didn't know anything and they couldn't actually play the game because they were like, I've never heard of most of these films. And then they watch some movies. They don't watch enough movies to, to be good at, at Oscar predictions. And then Hannah swore off the Oscars when Green Book won. And so we didn't have have an Oscar show for the next year. And then Monica joined the show and then was doing the Oscar show with me. This year, Hannah was like, I want to be on the Oscar show this year because of everything everywhere all at once. So because Hannah demanded it, we're doing an Oscar show this year. That's that's how I read that. Monica, isn't that how you heard it? Yeah, absolutely. That is yeah. Hannah made one reference to maybe we should do an Oscar show and Mav and I ran with it and now we're doing it. So we're here now. This is going to be tricky though for me. So the problem is I'm, I am usually really good at Oscar pools because for a couple of reasons, it, it ties together two of my favorite things. Oscar pools are the combination of, you know, movies and pop culture, which obviously I love. If you've, I mean, if you've listened to this show, obviously I love it, but also my job, my entire, like there's, this is the reason that I am who I am is I love pop culture, but also I love fantasy sports and the gambling and stuff like that. So like, that's why we have our box office game that we play is because I love, you know, the sort of fantasy king kind of thing that essentially Oscar pools are. So every year when I play against, you know, either both on the air here, but also with my friends and in real life, if I go to an Oscar party, like I get super into this and I'm usually pretty good about it. Like a lot of times I'll get, I've got a pretty good, like 80 to 90, 90% hit rate. The problem is this year, at least, or last year, I finished, I spent most of the year finishing my dissertation. And then once that was done, starting my new job. (laughs) And so I saw far fewer movies that also, you know, the pandemic, but like between everything that was going on in my life and COVID and everything else, I saw far fewer movies than I normally do. So I like to think this is a year where I am beat up. So you should play along at home. You should print out an Oscar ballot. You know, I will link one in the show notes and you can try to take my or Monica or Hannah or some combination thereof of our picks if you're trying to beat your friends, but also you can go against us and you might be able to beat us because I don't, this is one where I'm going by buzz quite a bunch this year and I haven't seen nearly as many 
many as I normally see. Well, I'm not going by what I believe to be true. I'm going with the wits in my heart. <laughs> and I've got to say... Green book. Green book in your heart. Yeah. <laughs> Mav, I'm interested to know who actually was the winner last year. Because last I year, I you were. All right. Damn it. Yeah, not so much. You guys, did, you guys both did pretty well. But uh, but I mean, by like two or three points. Like, I, I got it. But not by... It wasn't like a blowout. Last year was one where I actually felt really confident in my ballot because I mm-hmm. had seen a lot. And this year, no, I there were a few times where last year on our, our episode, I was like, this is my heart of hearts pick, not my what I think is going to win pick. This year, because I also have had the chance to see less things with, you know, starting a PhD program and also uh, continuing to work my annual install some Oscar costumes museum exhibit. So we will be picking a lot of things based on what the clothes look like, even though that has no determinant factor on <laughs> the rest of the movie whatsoever. <laughs> and we'll see how that goes. Well, there's one category. Yeah, costumes. There's one ca- it's going to be a little bit like, you know, mm-hmm. my March Madness bracket is one in which like feel 100% confident about 50% of the teams. And then the other 50% are based on, you know, how they did last year or the year before or what the uniform looks like. And so that's here's is going to be we're doing a lot of uniform picks or a lot of oh mascot God. picks, you know, like people who are like, oh, well, do I like Tigers or do I like Hornets better? You know, like that's what we're doing. Whose costume is do better? We want to do a March Madness show and then force Wayne and Katya to do it. They're <laughs> never going to do that. Like, I know. They're not. <laughs> just do that. They would just say no, you know but it would, it would just be amazing though, wouldn't it? <laughs> if in 2024, if Barbie and Cocaine Bear are both up for the Oscars, then Wayne and Katya might actually like be on that show. But like, what if, what if Barbie and Cocaine Bear are both up for like March Madness? <laughs> because I think that's, I don't know, the that's a lot of things for them to like watch. Yeah. yeah. And but, a lot of things for us to watch too. I mean, like, I, yeah. I want to be clear. I'm not making fun of our co-hosts because also like life is hard to watch things. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. I have a whole like backlist of shows. Like, I know I need to watch them. I want to watch them, but like it requires brain thought. Thanks. Oh, my yeah, presumption I, was yeah. never that they were going to actually they were actually going to watch March Madness. I just oh, wanted yeah. to see them. I just want to see what they pick. Like, I mean, is right. this a thing where it's like I've heard of that school? Is it a hey, their uniform colors are pretty? Like I want to I want to know how, you know, you know how, how they would make their March you know, Madness. Maybe they would do that. <laughs> yeah. I had no presumption that I was ever going to be able to force either of them to watch an NCAA basketball game. There's no way. <laughs> anyway, that's not what we're doing this day. That's a possible future, an alternate future, if you will. Like if you know, if you do the right combination of, you know, putting things in orifices, maybe you end up in a world where where Katya and Wayne have done and have done a March Madness show, but that's not today. Today we're doing an Oscar ballot. That's a reference to a movie. There's a reference to a movie. <laughs> in which I want to make very abundantly clear there is a butt lug fight scene in a film nominated for best picture this year. Best picture. Yes. I know. That's why we're doing this episode. And I watched that movie with my parents for Christmas <laughs> with my sister, like my whole family gathered around the TV and watched that movie. And it was amazing. It was like, it was the best thing. Also, everyone was super tired and like the end credits, the fake end credits came on and they got up and they're like, time to go to bed. Well, this was depressing. I was like, no, nope. sit down. We have another hour. So I also would right, like well, to, without so, calling everyone out, would like to know each individual mm-hmm. family member's reaction to 
to the butt bugs. <laughs> oh, I, it was dark, so I was not paying attention, but there was laughter from all corners of the room. But I was hoping for it. So, so, like, you know, I think bodes well for the fact that next time you hear me on this show, I will be reporting back from seeing Cocaine Bear with my parents for my birthday. I have, I have seen Cocaine Bear. Um, and we will be doing a Cocaine Bear show. I have seen Cocaine Bear. I think I'm the only one. I'm, um, yeah, I was waiting. <laughs> so I'm, I'm ready for Oscars next year, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Elizabeth Banks, Best Director 2024. Come on, let's do it. All right. All right. But first, we're going to work our way through the Oscars ballot and we'll give our predictions as usual. You know, some thoughts as to why. Going to be a lot more general than it is much of the time because, again, we haven't seen as many as we normally do. But I'm, I have an order that it's just like the order they're written down on my ballot. Problem with the Oscar ballots is every company that prints one, they're in different orders. So you might not have exactly what I do. But we're going to start with Best Actress in a Supporting Role. And the nominees for that are Angela Bassett for Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Hung Chow for The Well, Carrie Condon for The Banshees of Inisherin, Jamie Lee Curtis for Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Stephanie Sue for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Hannah, what are you picking? Because now you've got to gotta fight here because there's two different people no, in your... There is no oh, really? fight. Like, they, I love Jamie Lee Curtis a lot, but like this was not her film. Like It was Stephanie's film. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going with my heart. Like, like she was the like she was the heart of that film. Like, well, the whole family was, but her performance was amazing. So there we are. That's, that is exactly where I thought you'd go. That was that's my prediction as to what Hannah would pick for this award. I have thoughts on where Hannah would be for her. <laughs> you know, it's really easy. But on the one where there were two people up for it, that was my thought. Monica, what about you? On this one, I sat a little bit torn because my heart pick is that I would also like go with Stephanie from everything everywhere all at once. However, I think the Academy seems to be leaning towards Mrs. Angela Bassett in Black Panther, which I also thought was a really good performance. But if I'm going to go on the official record, I would really like Stephanie to win. So. Okay, so two there. I'm going against the grain. I, well, against the grain of you two. I'm going with the buzz. I think that the winner of Best Actress in a Supporting Role is Angela Bassett in in the trailer for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, she made me cry in the trailer so like i'm not gonna be upset when she wins it is i mean she is phenomenal in the film i have seen the film and uh, by the way so is stephanie sue but just the trailer alone was sold that film was sold on this moment for angela bassett going look i am going for an oscar in a superhero movie listen to me and saying them you know everyone in my family is dead and it's like oh okay they're doing a real movie here this is a movie movie as i'm as thank you Harry Styles. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like a real movie movie. You could see and, the um, yeah, yes. And, and I like, saw that and I was like, and being in the theater when like she gets to do that speech and there's a couple other moments too, but the, with that speech in particular, you could just hear in the room. I saw it a couple times. I saw it a couple times live and in the room, people were just like, oh, we're doing movies now. It was just very quiet and everybody's just like, oh. Which so, like, thank um, fuck, given every yeah. Mar- yeah. other Marvel movie that I have seen over the past year, one of them mm-hmm. got to be a movie movie that made me cry because I was right. so frustrated with the lack of like general emotions or feeling or interpersonal relationship development happening in any of the other ones that like Black Panther was such a Wakanda Forever was such a like breath of fresh air <laughs> in terms of being like mm-hmm. well, they, these can be movie movies and Angela Bassett <laughs> in particular I do I have 
have to say, we were supposed to have a special filming at the museum with Angela Bassett as part of her Oscars push. We're not getting one of those for Stephanie. So mm. if I usually I do tend to follow the money trail when it comes to Oscar predictions. So this is one where I think the money trail leads to Angela Bassett. Not that she doesn't deserve it because yeah. thank God for breathing life back into the incredible disappointment that Marvel has been for the past year. <laughs> but the movies, not the TV. Because we got She-Hulk this year. Well, this year. Yes. It's a no. divisive. Very yeah. divisive. Yeah. I will say that I still haven't seen Black Panther yet because the trailer devastated me so bad that I'm not ready. So... <laughs> I mean, it's a movie about crying. It's yeah. barely... Yeah. Like, when I say it's a movie movie, I don't know that it really is a movie movie. The plot of Black Panther is... Yeah, there's some story, but mostly it's like we all agreed that we're just going to spend two hours crying. Yep. That's... Yep. We, everyone was everyone was cool with it. It's I like no nodding one, vigorously no one, behind the headphones. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It is just a movie yeah. that you go to knowing I will be sad about yeah, Chadwick yeah, like All of us are collectively yeah, Everyone in the sad. theater. Yes. And everyone was on board. Like you just like no one's going to make fun of anybody. We're all going to be into the theater and we're just here to like, you know, just let this moment go. That's what that was. And Angela yeah. Bassett, I feel like rode the wave of that perfectly. So that's why I pick her for her best act. However, Stephanie was great. And if she I'm exactly like you guys, if she does pull it off, I'll feel good about her. I think what really helped Bassett here is I think think there's going to be a little bit of vote splitting with Jamie Lee and that will give that opens up the door just enough to where I feel like Angela Bassett can get this. I mean, I'm just glad that Stephanie got nominated because the early predictions before the nominations came out was it was Jamie Lee who was getting the mm-hmm. nomination and who the studio was pushing and not right. like the again, Jamie Lee is very good in this and I love yeah. her and many other things. So I'm not trying to set two actresses in the same film again and see each other, but it was Stephanie's movie like far more. Jamie's um, not the heart of the movie. Like yeah. Stephanie is the yeah. plot yeah. of the movie. Yeah. And that's what, I mean, it's sort of a, I think one, another thing that's, that Stephanie's problem for this award is a flaw in the way we award Oscars in that we sort of arbitrarily decide that one person is the lead and the other person is the support and we split it. The only way we let it split is if they are of opposite genders. We can have two, we can have a male lead and a female lead and then everybody else has to be supporting. And it's, this is a problem in that if this were, if the character of Stephanie were a boy, he would be up for best actor in a leading role. It's because the character is a girl instead of a boy that she gets bumped to supporting role so so that Michelle can be in the lead role. And that sort of, I think that hurts because she really kind of started in the movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, like, I don't think they would have, if she were a male character and it were about, you know, Michelle Yeoh fighting her son, then I think that they would have been, they would have both been in lead. And I think that's going to hurt her a little bit too. But we'll see. Oh, men. Which probably leads us to talk about the best supporting actor, though maybe we could just skip it this year. No, we don't have to skip it this year because I think it's important. Best supporting actor, best actor in a supporting role, Brendan Gleeson, Banshees of Inishiran, Brian Tyree Henry, Causeway, Judd Hirsch, The Fablemans, Barry Kogan, Banshees of Inishiran, and Kehi Kwan, Everything Everywhere All at Once. And uh, speaking of, I'll go first this time. Yeah, he went. This is not a, this is not a race. This is everyone else gets to compete for second and this is the year that we finally, you know, gave an Oscar to short round, you know, to <laughs> after 40 years of ignoring him as an actor. So, And I hate to say I, that I the him. place where Academy seems to be willing to be most aggressive tends mm-hmm. to be in the supporting actor category, like actor, actress categories. If we think yes. about that's also the place we saw wins for Minari, which for me was a film that should have won just every award possible. Like the, this is one in which they're like, 
like, oh, diversity feels safe. And so it, as frustrating as it is that like should sort of be in everything, everywhere, all at once on most of these categories, no contest. It's going to be the one where it gets raised that happen to be supporting actor, mm-hmm. actress, because it's a little bit like hope that happens to be from Argentina, but is still white. Like we can only mm-hmm. be so progressive mm-hmm. at a time. <laughs> Ariana DeBose got it last year for best actress in a exactly. supporting role for West Side Story. You know, yeah. Which was incredibly deserved. Uh, and she was amazing. Mm-hmm. But it's just very frustrating that this seems to be a bit of the consolation prize for diversity mm-hmm. within the Oscars rather than actually evaluating these categories based mm-hmm. on their best performances. That said, are you voting against him? No, this is his category <laughs> okay. to win. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I thought so. I both want him to win and believe he will win. And also, um, like, yeah. just really, Banshees of Insurance? Like, you want me to give it to all of the white men in the Irish sweaters? No, not happening. I haven't seen it yet, but I... But it, Josh it said it was good. impossibly sad. It is I another movie where it. you it's... need to cry for two hours. And I just can't, I can't, it sounds like a modern day Thomas Hardy story and I just can't, no, mm-hmm. I don't want to watch farm animals die. I assume that's what happens. Like, I, I'm assuming that's what happens. <laughs> no spoilers, I guess, except maybe I'm right. But like, I just want to watch the most romantic movie ever made. And yes, I'm referring to everything everywhere all at once. Because what more romantic line is there than like wanting to do laundry and taxes with you in another life? <laughs> in every uh, life. We'll get to it. Oh. So we're all together on actor in a supporting role so i guess we, like none of us disagree so so i guess we can move on but i will have seen probably by the time people hear this episode i will have seen when she's in a sharon i just haven't yet so i wonder if that would have changed my mind but i don't think so i think this is kwan's award all right so now moving away from actors for quite a while we have next on my list is the original screenplay where the nominees are once again the banshees of in a sharon everything everywhere all at once the fablemans tar and triangle of sadness. Hannah? <laughs> Wait, what category are we doing? Original, Original screenplay. screenplay. Oh, okay. I'm gonna go with everywhere all that No! <laughs> I know you're all shocked. Shocked. It's such a good shocked, movie. I say. It just balances so much. Like, and the tone, like, can just move at rapid fire and still make sense. And, like, I cried at a movie where the conversation was text on screen between two rocks. Like, if someone hasn't seen, like, this movie and is listening to this episode, they're probably like, what? But <laughs> nevertheless. We've, we, yeah, we've described butt plugs and we've described rock subtitles. So, you know, you really have yeah. to see it. See it, guys. This is a category. <laughs> it's very interesting interesting to me. So also strongly of the opinion that everything everywhere all at once is going to win. For it to be up against the Fablemans, which is Steven Spielberg's life story. Fablemans, I'm still really trying to make us do an episode about how much I hated Fablemans because I really just hate like circle jerks. But I think that they like kind of gave him the nomination because it's his life story and because it's Spielberg. Interested in the fact that Triangle of Sadness as a European co-production that on the palms or but usually that doesn't really mean anything within like American award cycles made it all the way to original screenplay and I feel like does fit that the menu is not showing up on this list a lot and Triangle of Sadness is just say that Triangle of Sadness is the better class consciousness film however no contest on everything everywhere all at once really okay I wasn't sure 
what you would do there. So you're going, okay, this is one where I am torn. I'm real torn. And I went back and forth a couple times on this. The smart money is probably everything everywhere all at once. But I feel like there is a late push. There is steam building for Banshees of Inisherin. And if there's one category it could sneak in and really do, really just be the upset, I feel like this is the one. Now, here's the drawback. At time of recording, we've not seen the WGA Award. Writers Guild Awards have not happened. And I like to watch all the award shows because I'm a nerd, but also it helps me pick my Oscars because you can see a lot of stuff by what the voting block that is devoted to that category has done. But those aren't till March 5th and which is, you know, well in the future of when we are recording this episode. So it's a week. So I've not seen them yet. They have happened by the time this episode's aired. However, in any case, the, the Banshees is not nominated for a Writers Guild Award. You know what? It did um, win the BAFTA. And I know that it's a British it movie, the, yes, but the BAFTA it does the BAFTA. mean something in the award cycle. Right. And that's where I'm at. And I went back and forth and I'm like, the like I feel like having the BAFTA, it means that there is enough push behind it that I think that it can sneak in and snag it. So I'm going with Banshees of Inisherin. And again, this is a year where I'm beatable in this game. And I'm really kind of going to be curious to see how well I'm doing. Like this could be, Hannah could easily just walk away with this because uh, everything everywhere is like the front runner in almost everything. So it's not a, it's not a bad strategy to just keep picking it. I mean, honestly, I feel like I didn't today for the test and I'm just pitting B down on the Scantron sheet. <laughs> Which is also not the worst strategy. Just say it. You will get a higher score than if you just guessed random answers. If you pick yes. a consistent letter for all of them. So statistically speaking, I, it's a good strategy. I once wrote a midterm that this is like, now I don't know if I'll ever be able to do it again. If, if any of my students ever listen to this episode, I once wrote a midterm with a multiple choice section with 15 multiple choice questions, 14 of which had the answer of B. <laughs> just to see. Is and I, I, it's like, yes, I wrote, I made the answer B for 14 of the 15 questions, except for like number question number 14. The answer was D, none of the above. And then the other 14, one through 13 and number 15 were B. And my thought was, if you really studied, you'll know you're right. But you'll no, but. that would have made me so anxious i would have like been like crying yeah. it's like it can't be it can't, right it's just in there it can't be they can't all be b and it wouldn't make sense for them all to be b except for one unless your professor is a crazy person which i am so. i did once do that uh, moving on to adapted screenplay and the nominees are all quiet on the western front glass onion a knives out mystery living top gun me top gun maverick and women talking huh monica you haven't gone first yet you want to this is a tricksy one, right? I will say All mm-hmm. Quiet on the Western Front did win the BAFTA for Adapted Screenplay as, as well as uh, I think Best Director and Best Film. So it's been doing pretty well. I want to say that the really the only contender that I feel like it has for Adapted Screenplay in this category would be Last Onion because Knives Out did so incredibly well in its award cycle that I feel like Rian Johnson has enough r- sort of respect from the Academy to be able to pull out a second win. But mm-hmm. I think just based on the buzz that this feels like all quiet on the Western Front category to win. Interesting. Okay. Sorry that I'm not picking Top Gun yeah. you. Oh, we'll see what I do. Hannah. Going with Glass Onion, Knives Out Mystery, 
because I actually enjoyed watching that film. And that's it. That's all I have to say about that. Okay, so this is going to be an interesting one where we have a three person split because literally everything Monica said, absolutely true. Everything Hannah said, which is just one thing, absolutely true. And I agree with her. I enjoyed watching it. But I'm going with women talking. That's where I'm at. I I think this is the one where where the Academy decides to try and prove it's not sexist. Yeah, (laughs) being like, oh, it's the one about ladies. (laughs) Look, ladies are here. Yeah, that's where things can happen. It's also it's got a lot of critical buzz. It has won some awards. Don't you know the BAFTA for All Quiet on the Western Front makes me think that's like probably your favorite. But I think you can. I think I can sneak in and take a win with women talking. So that's what I'm going for. You got to if you're going to win your office Oscar pool, sometimes you got to take chances because what everybody does, everybody just picks the number one critics choice. And so you don't want to have the exact same about them as everybody else. I like to take a couple of chances. And here's where I feel like you can like sort of see the Academy, you know, going, maybe just maybe and i think i'm going with women talk next category best animated feature and the nominees are guillermo del toro's pinocchio marcel the shell with shoes on puss in boots the last wish the sea beast and turning red hannah i'm going to go with turning red because red pandas and actually it was a very like good film i don't think it'll win but i enjoyed it and i haven't seen puss in boots yet but i love the idea that puss in boots the last wish like is so good and has like such legs and it has such a cute cat that that, like it, it's revived like this like sort of sad lagging franchise I'm counting like Shrek as mm-hmm. like, like all the Shrek movies as the sad lagging franchise because like mm-hmm. after two it just like sharply went downhill that's not yes. what we're talking about today though so you're going to put some boots or you're going to go with turning you're going to stick no, with, turning, going red. with turning red I'm just going mm-hmm. turning red but I like the idea of putting boots went. I think Pinocchio went but I'm putting my ballot with my heart which is turning red the movie I saw and enjoyed okay I, that's actually that was my Hannah's going to pick this guess Monica I expect is going to pick the exact same thing that I'm going to pick. Monica, what are you going with? Yeah, I'm going with Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio because I... Honestly, the fact that he's putting his name at the front of it, like he's really pushing this not as an animated film, but like as an auteur film. I think that Guillermo Mm -hmm. del Toro has enough success with the Academy to be able to do that, to be able to use his name as the front runner. I do think people really enjoyed his take on Pinocchio. I think Mm -hmm. that Turning Red didn't quite have the like critical acceptance that Pixar expected it to. And as much as I really Mm -hmm. enjoyed Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, I think it's two millennials of a movie for the Academy to get it. So I think that Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio feels like the right pick in this category. When was the last time Pixar even won like best animated feature film? It's been a while, I feel like. Won it for the jazz movie made by white people. Oh yes, mm. I blocked that out of my mind. I, was just like, I need a moment to gather my thoughts there. Um, yeah, I think Marcel, the show with shoes on, if they'd released it in December, might have had a better shot. But I think that it was too long ago to to have happened. So so that I discounted. Pixar did win with Soul, and they did win with Toy Story Four. So it's more yeah. more than you'd think. So and then before that, Coco, Inside Out, Brave, like they're great. Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think they, I, think Red, yeah, I, don't, I, I think this Guillermo del Toro like yeah. saying, look, this is I am redefining what animation is and I'm going to win the Oscar this year. So that's y- yes, I just I'm going with turning red because also is 
Disney has pushed Pixar to the side over the past couple of years, even mm-hmm. with like, especially with like original films like Luca and Turning Red. And it makes me sad. I really hope Elemental's good is what I'm saying. And also, why mm-hmm. are we making Toy Story 5? Like Toy Story 4 oh. was not very good. Like, do we need another oh. one? Do we really? It did. I mean, you're in a minority. Uh, people love Toy I- Story 4, even though people, even though no one wanted it, it's usually looked at as a, oh, wow, they actually had something there. People Let's are see. wrong. Okay, we're not doing this. <laughs> we're not doing this. We need to, we have a lot of categories to cover. All right. Okay. Next one then. Next one's a hard one. Documentary feature. And I like to watch all of these before Oscar time and I didn't get to watch any of them. So going on a lot of buzz and a lot of descriptions here. All That Breeds, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, Fire of Love, A House Made of Splinters, and Navalny. Monica, do you have one? We are going to go with uh, Navalny because it's the one that won the BAFTA. (laughs) It did win the BAFTA. That is a, that is not a bad way of guessing. (laughs) So I, I like to watch all of these. I did not get to. So my logic here was to go with critical buzz and what was doing well. And I was, saw a lot of critical buzz for Fire of Love. And I saw a lot of people saying the odds on favorite is all that breathe. But what I ended up going with is I'm going all the beauty in the bloodshed. And the reason is, by the way, I watched clips of all of these. I did watch, you know, some like the YouTube sizzle reels for all of them. And I kind of liked all that breathes, but all the beauty in the bloodshed feels like it's got some steam. It has won a string of film festival, best documentary and best documentaries of minor awards. It's got 14 wins in the last couple of weeks of like everything. So I think that it's just kind of building up and just, it feels like it's hitting at the right moment. So, so that's where I'm going, I'm going, I'm picking it based on stats alone. So that's where I went. All the beauty and the bloodshed. I'm just going to be contrarian and pick all that breathes. So that way we have a three-way split. But at that's the same a time, fair thing to do. you know, the movie that I actually mm-hmm. do want to win is Fire of Love because like mm-hmm. it's about volcanoes. That's it. That's a, that, that was a very mm-hmm. Katia set of reasons for you, but <laughs> I like volcanoes. So documentaries is one of those ones where something like that can happen. Yeah. Okay. International feature film, All Quiet on the Western Front, the Germany entry, Argentina, 1985, which is the Argentina entry shot close from Belgium, EO from Poland and the quiet girl from Ireland. I'll go first on this one. It's all quiet on the Western front. That's what's going to win. Won the BAFTA. It's winning everything. It's oddly, you know, it's well, we'll talk about best picture when it gets there. But uh, when a movie's up for best picture and it's up for best international film, go with that movie. Hannah? (laughs) I mean, that is correct, but I am just going to go with my heart. And the one of these I want to actually watch the most is the quiet girl. And I remember All Quiet on, I know it's a different version. I remember watching All Quiet on the Western Front in high school, and I don't want to do that again, even with a new version (laughs) of the Chiefs. So, fair enough. Monica? Yeah, it's going All Quiet on the Western Front, especially because it got (laughs) a Best Picture nomination, also. Honestly, the thing that makes this category the most interesting to me is the fact that Triangle of Sadness sits in the Best Picture nomination and not in the Best International Film. That is weird. That's the only reason that this category. Mm-hmm. is like all quiet on the Western fronts to win. Otherwise they would be sitting with there being some sort of real contest. But because Triangle of Sadness only mm-hmm. has a Best Picture nomination, seems much more likely.
likely that All Quiet on the Western mm-hmm. Front wouldn't win the Best Picture nomination, which means it's going to get the international film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's. I think this one is as close to a lock as it's anything. It's wrapped up and shipped out, regardless of how much no one asked for the remake of this movie. <laughs> I've not seen it, but, it, you know, it's doing well. So, all right. Best original score. All Quiet on the Western Front, Babylon, The Banshees of Inishirin, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, and the winner of this category, The Fablemans, because that's John Williams. But, like, to do the, you know, just for the record, Hannah, who's going to win? I pick B, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, nice of you to do that. <laughs> Good to throw a vote that way. <laughs> I'm going to just keep I know, it's, going. It's, I'm going to run with this joke and this, like, strategy. And if if I lose, it will be understood why. And if I win, it will be very funny. Okay, fair enough. Monica. Yeah, Matt's <laughs> right. It's going to Fablemans because the Academy feels bad that even Spielberg made a movie about his life and then it wasn't very good and they couldn't give him a lot of awards. And so they're going to give him the one for the composer that he works with for every single fucking movie. That's... I, I don't know that I'm willing to go that far, but I but I do, th- but I do think that we do not vote again. There are rules in this world, you know, <laughs> like and like gravity pulls downward, you know, fire is hot. We do not vote against John Williams for best score. They will, when John Williams dies one day, they will just rename this category the John Williams Memorial category. Like it, it's going to be John Williams. This is, again, this is one of those locks. Just if you're looking to win your Oscar poll, I understand Hannah's vote. If you're winning, looking to win your Oscar poll, this is a free point. You vote for John Williams for the famous. The next category is harder though. Original song, Flaws from Tell It Like a Woman. Hold My Hand from Top Gun Maverick. Lift Me Up from Black Panther Wakanda forever. Not to not to from RRR. And this is a life from everything, everywhere, all at once. Hannah can go first because we know what she's going to pick. Hey, you don't know. I could go for RRR. You could. Because it delights me that this song is on the original thing. But I'm sticking with my joke and I'm picking this is a life from everything, everywhere, all at once because you got to see things through to the end. For the record, I admire your commitment to the bit. (laughs) You got to commit to the bit. Yep, that's it. (laughs) Monica. So uh, let's be clear about how weird it was to pick Lady Gaga to do the Top Gun theme song. And let's give it to Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Ooh, that is, that's I my pick. We were going to get this much split. I did not think we were going to have this much split. I'm going with RRR. That's my pick. So not to not to. I, I think that I really thought they'd get more nominations in the Oscars than just this. But this is they didn't. And so this is where they're going to win. That's how I feel. All right. In a perfect world, we have sound mixing and sound editing in the separate categories, but we don't anymore. And you can hear my rant last year about like how I feel about the fact that they've combined them, but they have combined them. So we've just got the sound category in the sound category. We have all quiet on the Western front, Avatar, the way of water, the Batman, Elvis and Top Gun Maverick. Monica. This is a wild card for me. Actually, I care a lot about in movies and I feel like the things that win aren't usually the ones that like impressed me the most when it comes to sound mixing and Mm -hmm. sound editing. And so this is a heart of hearts pick for me, having actually seen all of the movies in this particular category and I would like to give this to Top Gun Maverick. I think Mm. that sound is a pretty integral component of Planes Go Zoom. So Mm -hmm. I don't think that this movie would be the same without sound. I also saw Elvis in the Directors Guild of America theater. I saw Avatar in IMAX. I saw Top Gun and Maverick Maverick in IMAX. I saw Batman in IMAX. I saw All Quiet on the Western Front also in the DGA theater. And so I feel like these are all theaters that are really optimized for sound in particular and that's the other reason that for me like with Top Gun I feel like it added to the film the most and added to my viewing experience the most so do 
I think it's going to win? I don't know, but I think it deserves to. Okay, I'll go. I think it's going to win. I think I went Top Gun Maverick. I think it's absolutely going to win for many of the reasons you said. I think that people think of this as a movie about visuals and stunts, but I think sound makes this film. I think that in the old days when we had both sound editing and sound mixing together, I think it was a shoe in for sound mixing, but I think it probably could have won editing too, especially since people forget which one's which. So, which is why they combined them. So I think it's Top Gun Maverick. That's where I'm at. Hannah, you don't have everything everywhere all at once here. Correct. But I'm going with Bat the Batman because it was oh. a mystery movie and I enjoyed it. And I know that some of you who care about sound, which I do really, but I've committed to my little bit. Are like, But it didn't have the best sound of the category, Hannah. Well, sure. But it's the movie I enjoyed most. So I'm, I am a certain kind of Oscar voter who, mm-hmm. you know, if you read Entertainment Weekly, they interview like Oscar voters anonymously and someone's always like, I'm voting for this movie because my friend is in it and I enjoyed it. And the other mm-hmm. movies bored me. So I am that voter. I've um, become the thing I hated in high school. For what it's worth, I said that I thought like Top Gun Maverick was the shoe in for, for sound mixing and sound editing could have been it. In a world where they're separate categories, I think the Batman wins sound editing. And that's where and that's where I'm, where I'm like, ooh, this is actually a little trickier. I think that the Batman could have won sound editing. The scene in the, you know, the where Batman's walking towards them and getting getting bullets fired at him. And he's like that scene alone. Brilliant. But so I don't think it's a bad choice. I just think that Top Gun Maverick's going to take it. One of those movies um, is not nah, You don't think it's a picture in bad choice or you don't think it's a bad choice? <laughs> oh. <laughs> dun, dun. <laughs> I think what you mean is no, 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 Batman. Okay. Makeup and hairstyling. All Quiet on the Western Front, The Batman, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Elvis, and The Whale. Monica. I'm giving this one to Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Ooh. I'm going to be honest. I just felt like Austin Butler's voice does a lot more than his eyeliner in that movie for turning him into mm-hmm. Elvis. <laughs> as much as, you know, like, period. And I feel like something like All Quiet on the Western Front usually assume that's mud rather than makeup. Like, they don't really understand, mm-hmm. like, makeup and hairstyling. Mm-hmm. And so when I look at this category, Batman, like, they assume those are masks. They don't assume that any grease mm-hmm. paint might have been used underneath the eye sockets or whatever. The whale, I cannot vote for just out of principle because it is so incredibly Mm -hmm. fat phobic and homophobic, refusing to admit that it is nominated for anything despite how much we love Brendan Fraser and will always love Brendan Fraser no matter Mm -hmm. what he does. And that means that the only thing Mm -hmm. left is Black Panther Wakanda Forever and honestly the hair team on that is just incredible and I feel like really does a Mm -hmm. great job of integrating the costuming and hairstyling and makeup into a full look. Honestly, it'd be really hard mm. to put together something that is like Civ all the way. A lot of times when I watch period or fantasy films, it takes me out of the narrative is usually when something feels too contemporary. And for me in Wakanda Forever, it feels in place with the rest of the narrative. So that's my pick. Mm-hmm. Anna? I'm just choosing B. And since I can't pick everything, everything, everywhere all at once, I'm picking the Batman because it's the movie I've seen. Again, Fair. I'm the Oscar voter that everyone hates. And no, but my job. I think that and I think that matters though. We shouldn't, you know, maybe we haven't talked about it, but like the way Oscar voting works is weird and being the popular we can sneak you in for a category like makeup and hair. That said, I'm going with Elvis. And the reason is I think there are two ways to win makeup and hair. I think that you the way you win makeup and hair is you do the most makeup and hair, which is the whale. You know, if you if you've got the most, if you can do a massive physical transformation 
confirmation. Also, it's Batman's nominated because of Colin Farrell. But like, I think I, it's not just it's not just the eyeliner. It's turning him into the penguin and making him un- unrecognizable. So I think you win this category by either doing the most, which means it's either the whale or it's Batman. But I feel like doing the most is going to split the vote. And I think other way to win the category is you do a biopic and you try to make someone who doesn't look like that. And that's what happened with Elvis. And I think it's alone. So I think I'm going with Elvis. That was my logic for getting there. I think we should leave Monica for costume design last. Hannah, do you want to go first or should I go first? You can go first. It's your turn. Okay. I'm picking Elvis. I'm picking Elvis for costume design. Yeah, it's this is silly, but people love Elvis. I mean, it, it really is like a, hey, look, there's some rhinestones. There's some costumes. Elvis wore clothes like that. I, I think it's Elvis. Everything here has a shot. The costumes in Babylon are beautiful. Obviously, you know, costumes in a Marvel movie are always going to be, you know, you know, costumes like they're the most costumes. Everything all at once is great looking. And Hannah will talk about that in a moment, I'm sure. And then Mrs. Harris goes to Paris is, you know, a period piece. So, you know, like that helped. Right. But I'm going with Elvis. Hannah. Okay, you're right. The costumes, (laughs) especially in particular scenes and everything everywhere all at once are beautiful and like amazing and fun when it comes to Joy and her character. I'm breaking the bit to go with my heart Mm -hmm. and I'm picking Mrs. Harris goes to Paris because I really enjoyed that film. I really did. First of all, it's like the only film I've ever seen where like the love confession is about like integrates like Sartre into it and that was fun. Secondly, I really enjoyed like looking at all like the costumes and it was pretty and so so I'm not breaking the bit but I'm breaking the bit. Yeah, yeah you're, you're going with a favorite but it's the one time you're going against everything everywhere all Yeah, and I'm sure this is like the one time that everything everywhere all at once will win <laughs> instead of, you know, like original score. I didn't pick B but there it is. <laughs> Fair enough. Monica, as someone in the field. Not just as someone in the field, Mav, but someone who has personally touched every single costume on yes. this list, right? So, because you got so you, so we, and we've talked about it before, but you should be in because it's specifically relevant here. Your day job is my day job is I work at a museum in Los Angeles as a, so I shouldn't say day job all the time, but as a contractor where I come in about four times a year to install exhibitions that are put on by the Costume Designers Guild that specifically are for other costume designers and the public to be able to see the costumes that are nominated for the Oscars and Emmys in person. So mm-hmm. my job is to do condition reports and to do dressing of mannequins of all of these costumes, which means I haven't just seen the outsides of these costumes in person. I have seen the insides of these costumes in person. I have written down uh, how many zippers are broken on all of these costumes, even know how well they are constructed, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. I know the loan agreements. I know how much every single one of these costumes actually costs to make. I know which rental house they came from. I know everything about all of these costumes. <laughs> so what you're yes. saying is you have a lot writing on being right about this category. <laughs> you have a lot. A However, lot I also, because I've spent so much time working with the CDG and working with all of these designers and know all of the interpolitics, know who I would like to see win and know who is likely <laughs> to win. And this mm-hmm. is one because I care, because I've seen a lot, because hopefully other people are interested. Want to kind of break these down a little bit? That's all right with you? Okay, mm-hmm. so Mav, you're picking out this. Costumes, maybe the worst made costumes on the list. I, 
Absolutely believe that. <laughs> I absolutely believe that. And I was actually kind of hoping that you'd say something like that. I absolutely believe that because they, Here's the thing. they look <laughs> great on screen. They tell the story oh, really? that they need to tell. Mm-hmm. They are made of, I don't know, like really cheap fabric that isn't lined. Most of the time, the, like <laughs> the bottoms of the costumes, like don't have hems and the lining isn't even like the lining is cut so that it like isn't even and it sticks out of the mm-hmm. bottom of the costume so that I know that the hem is just like to the fuck up there if a sh- button up shirt and I get this because sometimes like there is the production constraints when it comes to speed of like to finish a hem and you're not going to see it on camera have to right and, like if it needs to be on camera and it needs to look good on camera um, for me a lot of the magic of movies like falls apart when something just doesn't quite have the same level of production that I would expect especially for something like mm-hmm. a period piece like Elvis where you want things to look closed even though they're new constructions and Elvis just does mm-hmm. not have that for me and I, a large part of that for me has always been that for Baz Luhrmann's films he uses his wife Catherine Martin as both the costume and production designer that is too many mm-hmm. jobs for one person it means that she has an assistant <laughs> costume designer and an assistant production designer who are quite frankly probably doing 5% of the work and she is existing as the overseer of those two people and not that's not at itself an incredibly important job to make sure that the aesthetic is consistent the idea of considering her like the main visionary between putting all these things and like making it sound as if she's like by being able to do both just frankly isn't true it just means that she's stretched too thin and then the clothes just don't have the same level of like finishing to them that I would want them to so Elvis is trash in summation this is one where within the period costuming community a lot of people are really upset in that they feel like clothes don't have to be historically accurate but if they aren't historically accurate you should have a good reason within the story and they didn't feel like it was narratively justified apart from period costuming quite so much there wasn't a lot of original builds and a lot of it was rented from western costume and not that doesn't make you a costume designer because most costume designers rent costumes but it's just like not super interesting to me as someone who is nominated for costume design I kind of want there to be a little bit more happening everything everywhere all at once is another mm-hmm. one that falls under that because it's it just frankly it's an A24 independent film that didn't have the budget to do a lot of builds and the mm-hmm. things that it had mm-hmm. the budget to do it did so incredibly well they use their budget to the best of their ability to tell an amazing story through clothes I just don't a lot of times there is contemporary bias especially bias on when you purchase things versus building them the rest of the academy isn't likely to vote for and so as good as the costumes mm-hmm. are I don't think it's going to win, which therefore puts us in between Ruth Carter forever and Jenny Beaven for Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris in line with Hannah. And I think that Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris is the winner. This is because Mm -hmm. as much as everyone liked Ruth Carter, she did win the Oscar for the first one. They're going to feel like she just did the same thing again. Things are very different and very good. I just don't think that they're going to give somebody what feels like what they are going to feel like is a second Oscar for doing the same job because it's a sequel. And so Jenny Mm -hmm. Beaton won last year and she won for Cruella, which is another movie that is very much about this like sort of 50s, 60s couture era of fashion. However, it looks very different than Cruella because Jenny Beaven is also the person who won for Mad Max and she's much more known for doing these very like punky styles. Say that 98% Mm -hmm. of the budget, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris is literally a movie about a woman who wants to 
buy a Dior gown. So the whole movie is about fashion and they mm-hmm. love giving awards to for costuming to movies that are about fashion. All of the mm-hmm. budget went to them recreating an entire Dior show. And honestly, we have had a terrible time getting the costumes because they are sitting in a Dior archive because Jenny Biven was given access to the Dior archive to actually recreate the show. And then now Dior owns these costumes. So this is one in which like an incredible amount of care and accuracy went into the construction of a film that was about clothes. And it's really hard for me to see, Mm -hmm. given all of that history, this award going to anyone else or being potentially deserved by anyone else. So I know that's a really long rant to say I agree with Hannah, but I agree with Hannah. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I mean, and this was so I'll give more information. Those were the two that I was split between was Elvis and Mrs. Harris. And the reason I ultimately went with Elvis was I was like, they look cheap, but like everything on in Elvis looks like a costume. I I discounted Black Panther for the reason you just said. I was like, they're not going to give it to it twice. So then I was like, okay, Elvis looks like costumes and Mrs. Harris goes to Paris, looks like they care. And my question was going to be, will the Academy voters go? I didn't see that movie. I saw this one. And like, so I used a little bit of hand logic there of the way you were voting when you didn't know, not for this category, but for the, hey, some people are going to vote for the thing they know. And Elvis is a name, you know, that was my logic. Because I, because most people don't have Monica's domain now, but I expect you're right. I actually think this is a hard category. Frankly, it might go to Elvis. I'll be furious, but I'll also Mm -hmm. understand why it happened. Next category, cinematography. All Quiet on the Western Front. Bardo, False Chronicle of the Handful of Truths. Elvis, Empire of Light, and Tar. I haven't gone first in a while. I'm going with All Quiet on the Western Front. It just won the BAFTA. It's won a bunch of other stuff, but it just won the BAFTA. Same kind of voters for the same kind of rules. Cinematography is one of those ones where where I think BAFTA is a pretty good predictor, and that's what's going to happen. So that's my vote. Anna? I have not seen any of these movies, nor do I have like a burning desire to, which I know is going to like infuriate some people. So I'm going with the title that seems the most fun. Bardo, mm-hmm. False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths. It makes me laugh. That's literally logic. We don't have to discuss it any further. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I have actually seen Bardo. And for me, this category does actually exist between All Quiet on the Western Front and Bardo. I thought the cinematography, I did not enjoy Bardo as a film or as a story, but I did think that the cinematography was a highlight. However, I do think that the Academy tends to prioritize war films for cinematography. So cinematography, um, yeah. so I would also agree with Mav and say that my vote goes to All Quiet on the Western Front. I was actually surprised Top Gun Maverick wasn't here. So that would have made it harder for me. But like, yeah, the war movie aspect of it also went into it. But also just it won the BAFTA and that's where I was going with it. Okay. Production design. Production design. We have All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, Babylon, Elvis, and The Fablemans. Monica. Ooh, so actually a film that I was decently surprised and kind of bummed out that didn't get a costume nomination was actually Avatar because I thought that they Mm -hmm. were incredibly well constructed and made and you could tell that a lot of care went into them. This is one in which I would actually like go with Avatar because I feel like there is a sense in which they want to give them something, right? And they haven't really been nominated for a lot this award season. So so my Mm -hmm. vote is going to Avatar. Okay, Anna. 
I've been asking myself, what film on this list do I hate the idea of least? And at the risk of incurring Monica's wrath, I'm going with The Fablemans because <laughs> I generally like Spielberg over the other filmmakers on this list. And again, I have a grudge against All Quiet on the West Front because high school. Because of the because because of something completely unrelated. There. Yes. Um, yeah, like like no comment on the hard work of the people who. I guess I shouldn't say it's unrelated. It, the films. It's very related. It's the same story. So <laughs> so yes, it's, it is definitionally related. I'm going Babylon's a movie about production design. Babylon is a it, it, production design is a movie about a vibe. That, I mean, that's that's what the award's for. So that's where I'm landing with it. I've not actually seen Babylon yet. I want to, but I've looked at it and it feels like something where this is a, a thing that I can vote for production design and it can be the only award that it gets. And Avatar, I felt like people are going to go, is that real? And that's going to take some votes away from True. it. However, I think the, I think Avatar mm-hmm. Way of Water, that was one of the things that was differentiating it from the first film was that they did actually do a lot more yes. practicals and a lot, a lot more of real stuff mm-hmm. than the first yeah, film. I, I, just, I think you're right, though. I think it yeah, just kind of probably not mm-hmm. because they expected that the whole thing was an animated movie. However, Mav, I want to push back and be like, right. poop and vomit are not production design special effects. Yeah, I get it. I mean, I'm just like, yeah, you know. All right. Film editing. Banshees of Inishiran. Elvis. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Tar and Top Gun me. Hannah, why don't you go first? Everything, everywhere, all at once. Like they broke like some software while like putting this film together. Like, mm-hmm. come on. That's what I've got. Wait, sorry, this is editing? Yep. Yes. Ooh, this one I'm a little torn between everything, everywhere or Top Gun. I'm going to go Top Gun for the same reason that I gave Top Gun sound. Like it's a pretty immersive film uh, in which the entire point is that you want to feel like you're inside an airplane. And I think they did a really good job of making me feel like I was inside an airplane. And it didn't get a cinematography yeah. nomination. So I feel like they're going to pick it up on yeah. the other end, which is editing. That's also a big part of why I'm picking it. I think if you're listening to our show to figure out what the safe bets are for your Oscar pool, Hannah's bet is the safe bet. You go with everything everywhere all at once. It's the film. Ed. I mean, it's the front runner. But the way for me to win an Oscars pool is every once in a while, you got to take a risk. You got to take something that no one else is going to that like that, that, that's not the safe bet because, you know, everybody's going to go for one thing and you, you got to pick up a couple of those longer shots. And I think I don't think Top Gun Maverick's a super long shot, but I think it's the one where it can pass everything everywhere all at once. And for exactly the reason Monica said of it didn't get a cinematography nomination. Well, that's weird. I'll vote for it here. And then like enough voters can go. It's not going to win because everything ever all at once is going to win. But I can toss it in my vote. And if enough people think that, then it just, oh, surprise, it wins. So that's where I was at as well. Visual effects. All quiet on the Western front. Avatar, the way of water. The Batman. Black Panther, Wakanda forever. Top Gun Maverick. I think it's Avatar, the way of water. <laughs> I think that's, I think the category exists in order to give Avatar, the way of water. James Cameron did not spend the last 47 years working on this film to lose. He's, this is what he wanted. This is where, this is why he's here. This is where this happened. I think it's Avatar. I mean, I guess we can go around the horn. H- Hannah, where are you at? I refuse to pick Avatar for anything. So, <laughs> okay. so you know, Batman. Because <laughs> it's the one sure. I've seen. I refuse. I'm not going to put my hat in with James Cameron. I won't do it. Fine. <laughs> okay. Monica. You know, given how much we just had a conversation being like, are these sets real? It's like, he's going to win. So Avatar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is the least drama of any that like like they should really just do this award first. They should just go, OK, to get this out of the way, visual effects goes to James Cameron. But the other nominees were and that that's how it should work. It's going to be Avatar documentary short subject. OK, the 
these are tricky. You got the elephant whisper, haul out. How do you measure a year? The Martha Mitchell effect and stranger at the gate. Monica. Uh... Do I have to go first? Let's go with yep. Martha Mitchell, honestly. Okay. Anna? Okay. I want to go with the elephant whispers, not because of I know what it's about, but because I'm imagining elephants playing in a game of telephone, and that's delightful. So, okay. So, I'm hurting I left, your math. No, I left myself to last on this one because I've not seen, I love documentaries. I'm actually going to watch all these. I did not get a chance to watch all of them, but I watched clips of them and I looked at the ones that were the front runners and I tried to watch as much of them before this as possible and both of the front runners are currently available on Netflix so I did spend some time and watch about 10 minutes of each one today and the two front runners are The Elephant Whisperers and The Martha Mitchell Effect and oh my god did I go back and forth about which one I wanted and is it do we want the delightful foreign film or do we want the political film and I went back and forth and which the one that I was enjoying personally as I was watching is that I was enjoying Martha Mitchell Effect more but I feel like Elephant Whispers checks more of the Academy boxes. This is a hard category going with the Elephant Whisper, but it was a, it was a tough choice. Short film, live action, An Irish Goodbye, Ivalu, Le Pupil, Night Ride, and The Red Suitcase. These is, this is one where I did not get a chance to go through and see any of them, and short film's always hard, but short film is always hard for, uh, for Academy voters as well, because they don't all get to see them, and it's one of the least voted for categories, and it's tricky, and it's a really hard one to handicap. I'm going with an Irish goodbye. Hannah. I'm going with the red suitcase because it sounds like it could either be a romance or a mystery. And I like both of those things. Okay. Here's the thing. I am the world's biggest component proponent of the Irish goodbye at parties. So I will be the biggest component mm-hmm. of the Irish goodbye at the Oscars. Okay. Huh? Short film animated. The boy, the mole, the fox and the horse, the flying sailor, ice merchant, my year of dicks, and an ostrich told me the world is fake and I think I believe it. Hannah. This category is so hard. There's so many delightful titles. So hard to choose. I'm going to pick An Ostrich Told Me the World is Fake and I Think I Believe It because how can you beat that really? There. Except maybe with any, some of the other titles that someone else might pick just based on the title. Here's the thing. Monica. You know my humor, right guys? What I'm picking. Yeah. I, know, I knew someone was no, going to pick this one instead. Dicks the best way to tell the listeners that I'm gay now. So here's my thing. I've watched a lot of my year of dicks. It's my year of dicks. <laughs> <laughs> I've not finished watching it yet, but I'm so in. It's not a very gay movie, but uh, <laughs> but it's a cruder animation style. It was fun. And I think the title grabs you, obviously. Um, yeah. It's actually really good, guys. So that's where I'm going. Okay. And now we go to the bigger awards that people probably know more, but they're the ones that will be at the end of the night in the academy so actor in a leading world austin butler for elvis colin farrell for the banshees of inisherin brendan fraser for the whale paul mescal for after sun and bill nighy for living Monica. uh listen austin butler has made this this his entire personality for the rest of his life so it's elvis. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah for exactly the same reason i mean i don't have much to add just he's still talking like it it's weird it's elvis hannah <laughs> i don't want to pick guess i'll pretend like brendan fraser is nominated for The Mummy and vote for Brendan Fraser, except I don't want to because I don't want to vote for not The Mummy. So you can take this as me refusing to pick but giving a ridiculous answer or me picking something because I
because I don't want to pick in this category. I'm, I'm putting you there for Brendan Fraser because the listeners need to know that he's probably, if you don't want to go with Austin Butler, he's second best pick. Yeah. Like, oh, like but he's, also, he's, like, <laughs> yeah, but runner up. Like, but runner, like, by the way, I don't want to pick that because I like have like some like horrible hatred of like Bill Nye or something because I think mm-hmm. he's delightful. I just haven't seen any of these films and I mm-hmm. hate the idea of Elvis, but I also hate the idea of not the mummy, but also the other movies sound kind of, that I know of sound kind of sad. So mm-hmm. okay, fair enough. you can really see I, I did this solely <laughs> for everything everywhere all at once. Well, you're going to have a shot here because actress in a leading role, your options are Kate Blanchett for Tar, Anna de Armas for Blonde, Andrea Riseborough for To Leslie, Michelle Williams for The Fablemans, and Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Hannah, who are you picking? This seems like it could be crazy. You could go anywhere. Where are you going? <laughs> Michelle Yeoh. I'm going to be so mad right. if she doesn't win. Okay, so so that's just, it's just it. I mean, it's the reason you did the show today is, to, is for yeah, this. Yeah. I genuinely like, like, like this, like, was like, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I did not watch Blonde because it seemed like it would upset me. And I did not watch Tar because it seemed pressing. But like, come on, Michelle Yeoh, like, let's do it. <laughs> but like, like, she did a great job in everything, everywhere all at once. So it's not like she doesn't deserve it. All right. It under, to go completely understate. Yes. Monica. I gotta say that this category in general, I feel like actor in a le- leading role, like the men just kind of get to waltz in and the women have to do the absolute most. Like Ana de Armas to get this nomination mm-hmm. was like we traumatized through her entire filming because that's what that movie mm-hmm. is. And Kate Planchette mm-hmm. is another one where I'm like, a woman could just be on screen and breathe and I would give her an Oscar because she is amazing but instead she has to have an entire nervous breakdown like Michelle Williams is one where like Mm -hmm. she is absolutely phenomenal in the Fablemans she's also very clearly bipolar and it just feels like everyone is so incredibly deserving of a win in the actress in a leading role single year that it feels not fair to them want Michelle Yeoh to win because I just felt like her performance had so much and really touched me and made me under understand motherhood in a way that for example michelle williams's portrayal of steven spielberg's mom didn't have the same effect on me so i would really mm-hmm. like to see michelle yell win for everything everywhere all at once she does okay. so much in that film just so much and like like also another part of the heart of that film. like yeah <laughs> I guess I'm last and I agree with everything both of you have said. And if you'd asked me one week ago, if we'd recorded this show one week ago, I would have said Michelle Yeoh's a lot. Kate Blanchett just won the BAFTA. She won the Critics' Choice. She won the Globes, as did Michelle Yeoh. It's hard. Here's where I'm at. I'm going to go with Kate Blanchett. I think she's got momentum and I think there's just enough racism to make it left in Hollywood to make difference. And I want to win the game. But I think... Oh, this is such a tight horse race. This could be either Michelle Yeoh or it could be Kate Blanchett. And here's where I want people to to do a little bit of homework because based on when we're filming, based on when we're recording this, for us, the SAGs have not happened yet, but they will by the time you've heard this episode. And maybe I'll, I guess I could clip in and say, you know, from the future right now and say what happened. But if Michelle Yeoh wins the SAGs tonight, I think she wins the Oscar. But if Kate Blanchett wins the SAGs, then I think Kate Blanchett wins the Oscar. Oscar. It's going to be one of the two of them. I'm going with Kate Blanchett, especially since the other two picked Michelle Yeoh. 
Hi everyone, this is Mav from the future. Like I said, well, I did watch the SAG Awards and Michelle Yeoh did win. And so the answer is for best actress in a leading role, you should absolutely go with Michelle Yeoh for your Oscar pool. I said I'd jump in and say, well, that's the answer. And now turning it back over to me from the past. Bye. A better story? Like, I so wish Andrea Riseborough would get this for an Oscar campaign that was entirely based on, you know, her friends tweeting, please vote for her. Like, I just, that's such a great story. And I've not watched the movie yet, but I've seen enough clips of it to go, oh my God, you know, the most acting. We've Monica and I talked a bunch last year about winning with the most acting. And Andrea Riseborough is absolutely doing the most acting that happened in film this year in her movie. Like, all the acting is in that movie. Is It's just like her chewing scenery. So I kind of, want her to just come out of nowhere and say fuck you all fuck the system I'm going to win the Oscar that would make me happy but I don't think it's going to happen I think it's too tight between Kate Blanchett and, and Michelle Yeoh so ugh, a tough race directing Martin McDonough Banshees of Inisherin, Daniel Kwan Daniel Sh- Scheinberg everything everywhere all at once Steven Spielberg The Fablemans Todd Field Tar and Ruben Ostrin Triangle of Sadness Monica are you going to go with your movie? Oh. You know I want to. This is actually a very hard category. This feels like a very strong category to me because Mm -hmm. it's really hard to deny someone like Gilbert and it's really hard to deny something like Everywhere All at Once with so much heart. Really hard to deny a movie like Banshee's Venture and with just crying for two hours. Triangle of Sadness is brilliant. I'm giving it to him. That is my my black sheep pick. Okay. And I assume that if we go to Hannah, you're going to also pick Triangle of Sadness. That's a thing that Hannah's going to do or am I wrong? Mm-hmm. Hannah? <laughs> we all know that I'm picking everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. Okay. Like, I pick B, Mav. Okay. Uh, all right. I, I was not going to go with Triangle of Sadness. I think what makes this tricky is that Spielberg is around and Spielberg is, you know, the Academy just assumes that Spielberg is the greatest director of all time. And how do you tell the greatest director of all time that you don't win the directing award for directing your life story that is your own life story. And the way you do that is that you have them up against the Daniels for everything, everywhere, all at once. I think this is, I think this is where Spielberg loses and, and everything, everywhere, all at once wins. It won the DGAs. We go. I think, I, I think this is where they really shine. So I'm with Hannah on this one. And that leaves us one award left. The award for best picture. And there's extra nominees here because that's how best picture works now. So our choices are All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, Banshees of Inisherin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. Hannah, are you killing the bit on the last one? Yeah, I'm going to go with The Fablemans. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'm going with Everything Everywhere All at Once. Like, it was the movie of the year for me. Like, it just has everything you oh, want in a great film. Romance, yes, mm-hmm. family, like, hot dog fingers, like, <laughs> it, it, it has it all. Like, it is, like, I don't really buy movies anymore, but I mm-hmm. bought this one because I wanted a physical copy so one day Amazon mm. couldn't snatch the streaming away from me. It's just, it's so beautiful. And like, mm-hmm. I think is one of them, like a movie that's speaking to our time right now about the importance of being kind and cooperating with each other and how that is a survival instinct. And also like how it deals with family dynamics and dynamics between lovers. It's just a fantastic film. I haven't seen anything like it or something that like made me so excited about the movies in a long time. B 
being in a theater with people watching that, even though like I, you know, freak out a little bit when I go to like crowded theaters because pandemic, like it, it was like good to be in community with people watching it again, which is why I made my family watch it because it was, you know, it was it, like, it was nice to be with people watching this film, thinking about like love and survival and dealing with this world and how we can like choose to create our families, and our communities. Anyway, love the film. Don't know if anyone's picked that up yet. Hope it wins. <laughs> Monica. Here's the thing. I really hate the Academy as an institution, right? Oh yeah. I really, really love the idea of there being a movie that is able to bridge popular culture and institution. And I think that if any movie is going to do that, everything, mm-hmm. everywhere, all at once, really give me a lot of hope about our definitions of what like a movie that you see in the cinema could be. That, like, mm-hmm. I want a movie with hot dog <laughs> fingers to win because I want us to understand that like mm-hmm. movies don't have to feel or look serious to have feelings and to address important topics and to like just feel things like that is what a movie is and should be is it should be able to capture the happiness that you feel of like going in and seeing something that is actiony and popcorny and also makes you cry and also makes you laugh and is able to capture all of those things at once without feeling like it has to exist by what are frankly like very old patriarchal values about cinema and so it would just give me a lot of hope and it would make me really happy if everything everywhere all at once could win best picture so that said you're picking women talk <laughs> no yes. you're going with that i assume picked elvis based on all of the uh, wonderful things i've said about elvis over the past yeah. hour yeah <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> a guy who sure. married a 13 year old um, that's what i picked yeah Ugh. it's a story yeah. that everyone wants to hear yeah no th- this is a lot of times there's a favorite pick for the oscar for best picture and also there's the smart choice and also there's the but what's the academy gonna do the academy i understand i've said this before i understand how best picture works best best picture is the academy's way of saying this is what we want the history books to remember that this is what we were about in the year of our lord 2023 or whatever right this is how they do that and it is we've talked about before you know back we've even andrew Dorowski, our friend has suggested that we do a show where we go through and we do the thing that everybody wants to do of saying hey the oscars should be given five years out of phase and we should go back and do a show from five years ago and see what we would have what we would have given the oscar to you know with a little bit of history behind us and like you know without rose colored colored lenses of recency bias and everything and i don't think any of that matters i think that the movie that the academy wants to be remembered for and is everything everywhere all at once and i think it's the popular choice i think it is the critical choice i think it is the artistic choice if anything can challenge it i mean i guess fableman's i guess but it's not going to it's gonna be this and you know i guess there's probably some you know big budget fans out there who are probably hoping that it's top gun maverick they're wrong that's not how the oscars work it's going to be everything everywhere all at once and i think that's the one where you can like you almost don't want to end the night on it because it's i'm so sure that i don't think it's going to be a surprise for anybody it's going to be you uh, want to end the night on it because it's an because actual it's a good, movie that'll make people happy right yeah yeah i mean it might be the feel-good moment but i mean it's just like a lot of times so you don't want to you don't want to repeat of that thing where they thought they were giving the oscar to chadwick boseman and then they no, accidentally didn't like, you know you know so like a parasite and then the director was like i'm gonna go get so drunk at all the after parties and then he did yes like and that that is what we want that's what we want so, yeah so i think this is this one i feel like is a lock in all three of us and that's the last award so we're done we've got it i wonder how well we did we'll know in a couple weeks for us probably like a week for you the listener thank you guys this was fun hannah thank you for returning to our oscar show that you're going to be doing every year from now on uh, 
we'll see if Barbie makes the nominations for 2024. <laughs> I, mean, I kind of feel like when we look at this list, usually there is such a thing as like movies are released on an award season, right? They are released around the holidays because mm-hmm. it's expected to be the thing that is freshest in your mind when it comes to voting. Everything Everywhere All at Once was not that. Like that was a that was released yeah. off of the award schedule and it's something that stuck around in everyone's mind. And so Barbie could be. Oppenheimer Forever. could be. Yeah. Like it it kind of feels like we are no what? longer stuck within our ideas yeah. of, you know, what an award season or a word film could be. So yeah, let's hope that Barbie makes it next year. It's still there. Yeah. yeah. Still also, there, but the streaming world makes it a lot different. This is not voting for the Oscars in the nineties anymore. Very different. And also if Harrison Ford doesn't get nominated for Indiana Jones, like his final time in the role. I I won't be mad about it. Exactly. But <laughs> I kind of feel like there's a chance it would happen. I think that there's a chance it could happen. Not that we're doing we'll Oscar see. predictions for 2024 yeah. yet. That's not what we're doing we'll right now. It is. I mean, well, I, we are doing it because again, uh, as I said, at, at time of recording, only I have seen Cocaine Bear. <laughs> <laughs> but but we've got a cocaine bear show coming. So in the meantime, Monica, where can- uh, people can find me and all of my terrible opinions on Instagram or on Twitter at Monica Marvelous. And that is L-O-U-S on Instagram or L-O-U-X on Twitter. And Palindrome Hannah. Here. You can find me here and nowhere else. I'm not joining here. any new I'm here at Vox Podcast. I'm not joining any new social media. Company. I'm not enjoying hanging out on the old ones. This is it. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter, I guess, if it's there, or Instagram or Facebook, all the places, always at Chris Maverick. You can follow the show, all those same places, at Vox Popcast. You can follow the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com, where we post about whatever we're going to be talking about next week. And you can leave us comments on this or any other show. Let us know who you pick for the Oscars. Like, tell us in the comments, are, you know, are we crazy? Are you following our advice? Do you think we're wrong? And, you know, did you follow our advice and win some money in your office pool? That would be great. But you can also suggest and if you'd topic. like to come see oh, any of these Oscar costumes in person, will be on display at the Fiddle Museum oh, yeah. in Los and Angeles, in and it is free and open to the public, starting what I believe is March sixth for then the next six weeks. Mm-hmm. So free minus the trip to yes. LA, which I'd have to pay for. But if you happen to live there, like Monica does, it works out really. But anyway, if you'd like to suggest topics for us to follow, leave us a comment on one of the blogs. If you enjoy the show, and we certainly hope you do, then please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from and do us a favor leave us a five-star review that really helps us out especially if you don't just leave us a five-star rating but you write a review saying a little something on iTunes Apple Podcasts that gooses the algorithm makes us more popular and makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside like winning an Oscar you know it's like getting the five-star rating is like being nominated and we appreciate it but actually if you write the review it's like we won the award that's kind of what I'm looking for I would like to thank Maximilian of Thought for Music our epic theme song building ever so more epically and playing us out i'd like to thank you for listening and we'll see you next time bye bye Woo.